Welcome to the Bliss Tonic Podcast, where we get real about the ups and downs of the human experience, and we use yogic philosophy and self-study as our Bliss Tonic. I'm Michelle Anthony, yoga teacher, spiritual mentor, meditation advocate, and dancer, circus performer. Flow is flow is flow is flow. Let's dive into this week's episode. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to share with you again the Prana Dharana Immersion. This is an online course that lasts for 14 days where we practice the meditation technique Prana Dharana. This is the concentration of life force energy and it concentrates energy specifically in the space of the third eye where we can, you know, see clearly, see the world around us clearly, see our own kind of things we have going on in our life, ways that we create suffering for ourselves. We can also increase our intuition and be guided by our own inner spirit instead of the uh, cultural conditioning that tells us how we should act in any given instant or our own conditioning um, based on our experiences and reactions to those experiences in the past. So if you're interested in learning more about this, it starts on December 1st. That is coming up this Sunday. There's a two-hour in-person launch event at the Yoga Room in Eau Claire. So this is recorded, so you have all of the content and information shared in that launch event where we will learn how to do the technique. We'll kind of focus on some of the very um, subtle differences in this technique. Um, Where does it come from and why do we practice it? We'll discuss that in the launch event. And we're also going to create a sankalpa. This is an intention, a resolution, a desire, something that we're going to place energetically in the space of the third eye um, and essentially energize that sankalpa with this activated third eye. We're also going to be writing down that sankalpa and um, at the launch event, you'll receive a locket to put uh, the carefully worded sankalpa written into it uh, in your locket and carry it with you through the two-week course. Every day, you'll get an email with journal prompts. There will be a couple um, video or audio clips where you can listen to ways to enhance your practice or different um, things you can do to add on to your practice, um, different ways to approach it or look at it as well as inspiration and you'll have the support of the rest of the group that's joining you starting on December 1st. So you will be connected to them via a private Facebook group to ask questions, share any um, interesting experiences, and just receive any support you need to stay consistent in this practice. 
information for this course is in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. It is a little different than usual. Hello and welcome. I have decided to do another switcheroo for this week's episode and I wanted to try something a little different. It's something that I really love doing in my personal practice and I thought I would share with you. So I did a book oracle with my new book, um, which is the second chapter of my favorite book on the yoga sutras and so the first chapter is samadhi pada and the second chapter is sadhana pada and this is the um secret or the secret of the yoga sutras is the name of the first one and the practice of the yoga sutras is the second chapter and the author is pandit rashmani tegunat and he is actually the um, head of the himalayan institute right now and these books are amazing If you have read the sutras before, I can promise you have never read them like this. (laughs) They are so relatable um, and yet really thorough. Um, And so I randomly kind of flip through the book and kind of feel out where in the book, you know, is the message that I need to hear right now. And it's interesting because I have been feeling really called to do more of a physical practice lately. Um, You know, I love meditation so much and definitely the spirituality of yoga is embedded in all layers and aspects of what we know of as yoga today. Primarily, you know, we think about asana, which is our physical postures. Um, And so it's so interesting that I am opened up to sutra 248 which is there's only a couple different asana based sutras and i opened up to one of them and so this comes right after the sutra that tells us that asana should be essentially full of ease and steadiness Okay, steadiness and ease, stira sukham. And so this is the sutra right after that, that tells us about our postures and this kind of sense of effortless effort. So I'm going to read it to you. So sutra 248. From that comes lack of injury caused by the pairs of opposites. Patanjali proclaims that mastery over asana enables us to remain free from injury. This is a monumental claim. Vyasa makes an even bigger claim. After attaining victory over asana, a yogi is no longer subdued by the pairs of opposites, such as heat and cold and the many other pleasant and unpleasant experiences that walk into our lives. The claims made by these two masters are grounded in a long of tradition of yogis who risked their lives for the furtherance of yoga particularly the practice of asana and pranayama. The practices that many of these yogis committed themselves to were so extreme and intense that modern-day practitioners might consider these adepts to be yoga maniacs. For example, some tested the perfection of their asana by practicing trataka, focusing their gaze directly at the sun. You guys, this is still a thing, sun gazing, except you have to do it very methodically. (laughs) 
Others practiced Pancha Agni by focusing their mind at the navel center while surrounded by fire in all four directions, with the middle midday sun blazing overhead. Some practiced Kumbhaka, breath retention for hours or days, while focused on one of the major chakras. These practices led them to develop sharp and far-reaching vision, the ability to remain unaffected by extreme heat and cold, and the capacity to live a long time free of disease. But collectively, they paid a high price. Many lost their lives while experimenting with these and other extreme practices. However, such experiments and experiences led them to conclude... A yogi grounded in asana takes a dip in the fountain of bliss comfortably and happily. This is from the Shiva Sutras 316. According to Vyasa and Patanjali, bathing in the perennial fountain of bliss is preceded by a yogi's ability to transcend pain. Asana enables us to transcend pain only when we practice it in accordance with the rules laid down in the previous two sutras. Right, and just a quick little review the previous two sutras is asana should be steady and effortless. And the wording they use in this um, translation is perfection in asana is attained by loosening of tension caused by effort and by mental absorption in the infinite. And then the sutra before that a stable and comfortable posture is asana. Okay, so those two are uh, the rules laid down about asana. So there's thousands of postures. In order to heal our physical and physiological injuries, we must learn to select the postures suitable to our specific needs and arrange them in a proper sequence. And that really is the practice of tantra. That's proper sequencing for a certain purpose and really uh, carefully choosing um, sequencing. Sequencing of asana is crucial because, as with anything else, a change in sequence drastically changes the result. Yoga Sutra 3.15. Next, we have to practice these properly sequenced postures while staying within the boundaries of our comfort. Then we must take our practice to the point where we're able to feel and touch the threshold of our discomfort. We refine our practice as we apply the principle of effortless effort described in the previous sutra. This refinement enables us to cross the threshold of discomfort comfortably. In this way, the range of our comfort continues to expand until we're prepared to practice asana with a high degree of intensity. Due to the application of effortlessness, our body is fluid and we're able to move in and out of a posture. But when the intensity is increased and resistance is applied, these simple postures influence our body and mind at a totally different level. Intensity and resistance are applied by combining asana with the practices of pranayama, bandha, and mudra. This high-intensity sequence of asana, further augmented by high degree of res resistance, culminates in one master practice. This is getting to the main point of the sutra, FYI. Stick in with it. As we see in Appendix D, Agni Sara subsumes all the elements of Asana, Pranayama, Bandha, and Mudra. Okay, I'm just going to break that down for a second. Asana is physical posture, Pranayama is breathwork, Bandha is the energetic seals or locks within the body. There are three um, that we use to hold energy and send energy upward. And Mudra is essentially the yoga either of the hands or it can be any body part. There are mudras done 
done with the whole body. There are mudras done with the tongue. Mudras essentially tap into different energy channels for a certain result. Okay, so the practice of Agnisara is all of those things in one. So it leads our body through what is known in today's fitness world as high-intensity interval training and does so while staying within the yogic parameters of stability and comfort. That is so important, parameters of stability and comfort. Furthermore, Agnisara forces us to apply a high degree of resistance while adhering to the principle of effortlessness. In the advanced stages, it also gives us an opportunity to direct our awareness to the region of the body most affected by the contraction and expansion engendered by the alternating forces of resistance and relaxation. Agnisara has a direct effect on the major organs involved in cleansing and detoxification, colon, kidney, liver, and lungs. The practice demands that we pull our perineum, skeletal muscles, connective tissue, ligaments, the tendons directly or indirectly connected to the coccyx, sacrum, hip joints, and pelvis in the abdominal cavity in and up while we exhale and allow them to re relax and return to the normal position as we inhale. This forces our diaphragm to move vigorously. The enhanced performance of the diaphragm and lungs strengthens and regulates the functions of our heart. Lifting the energy from the lower chakras, concentrating it at the navel center, and further churning it under the enormous compression created by Agnisara awakens our inner fire, boosts our autonomic nervous system, particularly the vagus nerve, and regulates and nurtures our visceral organs. This force with which we push our spinal fluid upward towards our brain and then allow it to flow effortlessly downward is not found in any other yoga practice. It is no wonder that for centuries yogis have been using Agnisara as a means to reverse aging. Put simply, this master practice fills our body with vitality, strength, and stamina. Agnisara energizes all our internal organs. It enhances the, and balances the functions of the central and autonomic nervous systems. It restores the link between our heart and brain. It awakens cellular intelligence, particularly in the region of our abdomen and intestines. Agnisara makes us robust and energetic, thus allowing us to reclaim our extraordinary immune system. Pleasant and unpleasant experiences, both physical and physiological, can no longer disrupt the ecology of our body and mind. We become stable and comfortable in our body, a quality we must cultivate in order to practice pranayama. And that is the subject of the next sutra. Okay, so that is a reading from chapter two, which is the Sadhanapada of the Secret of the Sutras, also known as the Practice of the Yoga Sutra Sadhanapada. So I love this book so much. Not only is it the uh, translation of this ancient text, but it is such a thorough examination of the meaning and you know further information that we have on the tradition um you know and again the the sutra the translation is from that comes lack of injury caused by the pairs of opposites and 
uh, from this, you know, explanation of this sutra, we are shown, um, you know, the practice of Agnisara being this essentially this main practice to help alleviate the um, suffering or injury caused by the pairs of opposites. And, you know, it also talks about being able to overcome or transcend pain. And I mean, doesn't this all sound really cool, but put into practice, this is a really powerful thing. And, you know, speaking of the practice of Agnisara, it's something that I have found extremely beneficial. Um, I've been practicing it for years and, you know, definitely here's some parameters around practicing it. Um, Empty stomach is ideal (laughs) because we are churning the stomach and um, sending it up. So it doesn't feel good to send up a full stomach, right? Um, But I do find that it um, quickens my digestion and it also kind of essentially preheats the oven of my digestion. So, you know, if I know I'm about to eat soon, this is a practice that I would do before I eat in a way to, you know, prep my digestion. Um, it's also something to do before you sit down to meditate as it essentially builds that internal fire and it involves the practice of kumbhaka, which is that breath retention which is something that is a really, really powerful, or it can be a really powerful tool when it comes to starting to control the fluctuations of the mind. So definitely has all of these different elements and it has variations that have different names. Definitely if you see, have seen a video of somebody um, practicing the essentially segmented version of this where it's this internal cleansing practice Um, you essentially uh, section off the quadrants of the abdomen and uh, roll them around you can do side to side up and down and kind of control while you're holding your breath out um, control the different areas of your belly and essentially churn it in that way and that can actually become a cleansing practice um, for one of the chakras so agnisara really powerful practice and I can give you just a brief you know description of it now you can come back to it later and practice it later if you are full or just ate like me Um, but to practice Agni Sara you breathe in to prepare let all the air out and then you hold your breath out contract the um, perineum think about engaging your pelvic floor sometimes kind of practicing like you are holding from going to the bathroom is a good way to just start to have an awareness of pelvic floor engagement you're engaging and lifting pelvic floor letting your navel draw in and up and then when you need to breathe in you relax all of that effort so You repeat that as many times as you need. Another version is to pulse the belly in and out while you're holding your breath out. 
I like both options just depending on um, you know what my purpose is but definitely um, you have options and you can um, kind of just play around with your belly and movements especially if you're a beginner any sort of movement kind of feels challenging another thing that I love about Agni Sara is it helps you to develop an awareness of the essentially inner core muscles kind of muscles closest to your abdominal organs that just feels really powerful to be able to tap into those muscles on a physical level, energetically, like I said, I just love the ability of Kumbhaka, uh, that breath retention to, to control and slow down and feel like your mind is just stopping into the present moment without distraction. Um, another little tidbit I love about Agni Sara is, or another little uh, cue, I guess, when practicing it, you know, you can actively use the muscles to draw the navel in and up. Um, there's also kind of this suction feeling that you get underneath the rib cage. And I like to give the cue that you are holding your breath out. So you're not actually breathing in, but imagine like you're expanding your chest or your rib cage as if you were taking a deep breath in. And that kind of expansion creates a sense of um, suction under the ribs. So it becomes less of a physical practice of your using your muscles to draw the navel in and up and it becomes more of this kind of feeling of suction. So that's something that I really love um, to play around with in the practice of Agni Sara. So I hope you like this kind of unique <laughs> episode, different, a little different from what I normally do. Um, if you have any questions about Agni Sara, I am happy to answer them. Um, and if you, um, are interested in purchasing either of these books, uh, you can get them on the Himalayan Institute website. So look into that. I believe we can probably put a link in the show notes. Um, if you're interested in diving into this text, um, in a way that is really empowering and easy to understand. And, you know, definitely the, if you aren't familiar with the verbiage, it's something that builds if you read the books from start to finish it it definitely um, builds in your ability to understand um, certain words via the context um, and just further explanation earlier on okay thank you for listening to this week's episode Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I am so happy that you are all showing up doing this work for yourself and for your communities. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or rate and review so we can be more available to the broader community. Have a wonderful day.